Welcome to the Fantasy Addict Dynasty Podcast with your hosts, Andrew Amore and Frank Sicalese. Hey guys, welcome back into the Fantasy Addict Dynasty podcast. I'm your host, Frank Sicilies. We also have Andrew Amor back on the show with us here to co-host with me today. He's also brought along Joel for another episode. He was a really uh, good member of our last podcast. Brought him back here for his insight as well. How are we doing today, guys? Hey, Frank. Uh, Merry Christmas. Happy New Year's, everyone. Um, yeah, we're all good, Joel. Yeah, no, we're going well. Nice touch with the uh, Merry Christmas and Happy New Year's. Uh, yeah, didn't think of that. Um, Merry Christmas and Happy New Year to the listeners and to your good self, Frank. Hey, you're a bit under the weather, but that's all right. Hope you're, uh, hope you're feeling better. Yeah, the uh, big C got me. Um, been spending home for the last week, uh, mending myself, but uh, I feel pretty good, ready to go. I'm ready to get back onto the uh, show, which is awesome. Here are your messages. You have 30 minutes to move your car. You have 10 minutes. Your car has been impounded. Your car has been crushed into a cube. You have 30 minutes to move your cube. Hello, Mr. Burns' office. Is it about my cube? Um, and now we'll start with our news, okay? We've got Michael Gallup here, our Cowboys wide receiver. He suffered a clean ACL tear, which is probably better news than we were expecting. It looked um, really not good when he went down. Um, but it appears that it appears that he will just make a full recovery and, you know, you're probably six to eight months. He should be back ready to go uh, for the new season, whether he misses some time at training camp, whichever team he is at, um, he should be ready to go for by the time the regular season rolls around. Joel, you're the Michael Gallup owner in our dynasty league. How are you feeling about that? It's obviously not good news, but um, do you, are you feeling positive about if he finds a good home, he still should be able to contribute or what's the feeling? Yeah, look, um, not great news, Frank. Um, Thanks for pointing that out. Um, yeah, uh, I had real high hopes for Michael Gallup. You know, new team, probably the one or one A on most teams that he would be, you know, in the market to be traded to. And that's probably, you know, not going to happen anymore. Not going to sign a big deal anywhere like the Bears or somewhere like that. The Chiefs is the two. But, yeah, you know, we'll move on. He looked good taking that touchdown grab anyway. But yeah, it'll be right. We we'll move on. Not good news, but things will be better in 2024 for my dynasty team. We're getting there. One year closer every year. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's fair enough. Yeah. Um, just on Michael Gallup, he'll always be remembered in the uh, revenge to a squad. Touchdown uh, pass he caught uh, from Dak Prescott really just just generated some offense for the uh, title-winning. Andrew Amor team. Uh, Frank, that should have been number one news off the press, but um, you know, I'll let that slide. Um, anyway, Michael Gallup, look, I think uh, listeners, if you have Michael Gallup, I think you have to hold. Uh, you don't want to sell him at basement price. And listeners, you probably don't want to buy him either because I think he probably resigns with the Cowboys. And yeah, that's probably his role when he comes back. 
Yeah, definitely. I actually think he might re-sign with the Cowboys given that uh, the injuries happened. I think if the injury didn't happen, he would have found a home, as Joel said, as the 1A, 1B somewhere. Um, but I think it might be best for his career to stick around one more year, hopefully put up, you know, he knows the coaching staff, he knows a lot of the training staff, get some health under his belt, get another season there, and then see what he can do after that. Um also, some more news. Another player that tore their ACL we spoke about last episode, Chris Godwin. He uh, went under the knife. Apparently, he's going to make a full recovery. There was no meniscus damage they found in surgery, which is fantastic. He um, should make, again, that recovery in about six to eight months. Um, we also had another couple of smaller injuries. Kareem Hunt has been ruled out of Monday Night Football. He won't. He didn't play. Um, there is also um, the Titans expect Derek Henry to be back at practice. So that's really interesting if he can get back in time to play. Um, that'll be really cool to see one of the best running backs in the NFL back. Um, so hey, more. Frank, where does, um, yep. Sorry. Where does, uh, where does Derek Henry, um, you know, sit in the Frankings going forward? Oh, that's really, really tough. Cause he is just a game breaking um, NFL talent. Um, he's kind of like, you probably got to have him in a similar spot. Um, probably not as high in my rankings as Christian McCaffrey, but you got to think of them very similarly where if you have them on your team, they're a legitimate title chance because they're just that good. They can put up, you know, 25 plus fantasy points a game consistently. Um, they can make a massive difference on your team, but Derek Henry, he's already 28 years old. We know that running backs do tend to have a shorter shelf life. Um, earlier in his career, he didn't have as many touches, but they've really piled them on in recent years. I think he'll be fine next year. I think, um, but the year after that, maybe year after that, if he's 30 years old, I don't imagine he's going to be as much as impactful as he is now. Um, I think still just purely based on how good he is of the fantasy points he can put on the field this very next year, uh, he's got to be inside the top 10. I'd probably have him about, you know, in that seven to 10 range, probably not any further back than that, but definitely not inside my top five or anything like that. Just purely based on age, not because of the talent. But I think you have to be aware that injuries come. You know, you start to lose a step as you get a little bit older. Do you guys agree with that? Where do you have Christian McCaffrey ranked? Oh, I would probably have him just out, again, just outside my top five as well. I, you could put me on the spotty and try and get me to name my top five. It's going to be incredibly hard to do, but uh, just no, outside just, the top five. I'm just thinking, like, you know, give me the give me Christian McCaffrey over the 28 year old running back who has an injured foot who doesn't catch passes. Just my two cents, anyway. Yeah, no, it's not even. I wouldn't. I'd completely agree with that. It's exactly why I've got Christian McCaffrey slightly ahead for that exact reason. Christian McCaffrey's only 25 years old. I feel like people are writing him off very quickly. Um, just like we said in one of our previous episodes, we had a chat about Christian McCaffrey and how he was an off season trade target. I think that's exactly the reason, Joel. Um, we have Pro Bowl running back Joe Mixon has tested positive for COVID-19. He'll be out versus the Browns. Um, we also have Antonio Gibson. He'll be back for the Washington football team after he um, has come off the COVID list. Um, Bengals quarterback Joe Burrow, not an injury news, but he won't play on Sunday just to rest up for the playoffs. That's fair enough. Cam Akers, he's a full participant at training this week, so he's actually going to be full go. Um, I don't know how many touches he'll get behind Sony Michelle. I'd imagine he'd play a complimentary role. I don't think they'll rush him back. But as a Cam Akers owner, I'm super excited to have him back. I'm really, really keen to watch him. Hopefully he's still got that burst. Hopefully it hasn't um, impacted his long-term game, um, you know, but we'll see how he goes. What do you guys think? Are you guys excited to see Cam Akers back? Um, yeah, he'll be, he'll be fine. I'm not as, you know, 
bullish as you are, clearly, Frank. You're um, all about Cam Akers. Yeah, do you even want him to play? Um, I think I do want him to play just so I can see what he is. I think if he comes out and he plays lights out, let's say he goes for, if he was to have 10 carries for, you know, he breaks off a 20 yard run, he has 10 carries for 60 yards and a touchdown. I think everyone starts to lose their mind. I think Cam Akers is, you know, back in the conversation. In my mind, he's around that running back 15 in dynasty. I'm that high on him. If he does that, he could start making a push towards being a, you know, around that top 12 mark in dynasty, which seems crazy, but he's just come back from a torn Achilles in you know less than a season, which is crazy to think, but we'll have to wait and see if he comes out there and he looks terrible. Well, that's really going to dampen the, uh, the hype for Cam Akers. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't have him as high as 15. I think, you know, he can get there in you know, a season, but I just think, this Achilles will uh, linger a little bit. He'll um, he'll take some time to get back to, you know, Cam Akers we were ho- all hoping we were going to get. Um, yeah, I just think, you know, he's on your team, Frank. You're getting a little bit excited about Cam Akers. And, um, yeah, I just I just wouldn't be that uh, bullish on Mr. Akers. Yeah, like I'd still rather have J.K. Dobbins than Cam Akers just because they're – injuries are two different things like we've seen people come back from Dalvin Cook come back from an ACL and all these people come back from ACLs and be just fine whereas the you know the Achilles is just a different thing we haven't seen it yet but he they might he might come back but you know top 12 top 15 just seems a bit high yeah in your defense I do actually that um J.K. Dobbins is ahead of Cam Akers. I think J.K. Dobbins deserves to be. I think um, they had very similar rookie years. I think J.K. Dobbins was slightly better, if I remember correctly. Don't hold me to that. But um, I think, he, yeah, I think he's going to come back straight into that Ravens offense. I think if we look at the Ravens this year and we've looked at what they're missing and why that offense isn't, sometimes it's clicking and sometimes it isn't. I think that really, really, you know, talented running back that can pick up first downs, you know, get you ahead of the chains instead of, you know, a three yard run with Latavius Murray or Devonta Freeman, you end up getting six, seven yards with JK Dobbins. It just puts the offense in a completely different position. I think he has been really greatly missed by that team. Um, one last bit of news I want Here's to get into. Sorry, go for it, uh, Joel. ETN or Akers? Oh, I'm very, very, very high on Travis Etienne. So I'm going to go with Travis Josh Etienne. Jacobs. Josh Jacobs or Akers? Uh, probably Josh Jacobs. I like Josh Jacobs. I think he's kind of undervalued. Like he's not good. But he's going to give you fantasy points, and he's like twenty-four years old, isn't he? Clyde or Jacobs? No, Clyde or Acres. I'd rather have Cam Acres. I'd rather just have the chance at the lottery, t- like the lottery ticket that Cam Acres could be. You know, he was ranked inside people's top five running backs in dynasty before this injury, and I understand. I don't want to talk down the injury, but Clyde's very uninspiring. Monty or Acres. Oh, that's so tough because Monty's going to give you good fantasy points. They're probably very similar. You know, that running back 15 range, I think they're neck and neck if I had to write them out. Always a fun game, that one. Um, David Montgomery, a fantasy winning uh, player as well. He's got a championship mentality around his neck, right? Don't forget that. Oh, yeah, he does have that championship mentality. All righty. Our last bit of news I want to get stuck into. 
is Antonio Brown. What a week he has had. So I probably couldn't even tell you what exactly is the truth behind what went on during that game. I know everyone has seen the videos where Antonio Brown's, you know, ripped his jersey off, he's thrown into the stands, undershirt, gloves, everything. He's walked out into the field half naked. Uh, he's run off the field, he's given peace signs to the crowd, putting on a bit of a show, and he's just walked straight off the field. Um, days later, you found out that he's saying that he was hurt. Um, they're saying that he'd let the coaching staff know that he was hurt and they wanted him to go back out there. The Bucks are obviously saying the opposite. The Bucks have now cut Antonio Brown. It's a big game of he said, she said. It's hard to know. The truth probably lies somewhere in the middle. What do you guys think of the whole situation? It's a bit of fun, obviously, but as a viewer, but uh, definitely a, a good football player that won't be on the field this for this season. Um, yeah, Dylan Lawrence had AB in his starting roster, so shout out AB, you know, keep on your thing. Um, but no, being serious, it was a really weird situation, like watching Red Zone, Scott Hansen was losing his mind and, um, you know, nobody knew what really happened, as you said. But um, I don't know, do you two think he'll find a team again? Do you think he'll ever play an NFL snap again? Like, I, I don't know. How old is AB? Um, I believe he's like 33. He's quite old, but he's just so good. I think he'll play. I think he'll play. I think he'll find a home. He's great. Yeah, I think he's just too good to not find another team. And stats, and he's better than Godwin and Evans, which is, yeah. Like, I don't know if you're the, I don't know, there's heaps of teams that struggle at wide receiver. Like, I know they probably don't want AB because, you know, locker room and all that stuff. But, like, on the field, how could you not have want AB on your team? Yeah, he's just straight up awesome. But, geez, an absolute whack job sometimes. But, uh, yeah, I think from what, they, from what they're saying and his camp is saying, he's genuinely injured and he didn't want to play. Like, he didn't want to go out there and injure himself and he tried to do that and apparently they tried to send him back in. Like I said earlier, big game of he said, he said she said. So um, it'll be interesting to see if we get yeah, a little bit more clarity on the situation. Um, thank you. Um, if you had Antonio Brown like Dylan Lawrence has in our league, uh, what are you doing with him? Would you try buy, sell, hold? Like, you know, what 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 avenue are you taking? I don't know if you're going to get much for him. I think um, if you have a team that's got a lot of draft capital, if you can convince that team that he's worth a second-round pick, I would pull the trigger. Um, other than that, though, if I wouldn't do it for a third. Um, but then he also, there's not really much you can do. I wouldn't go out and pay a second-round pick or a third-round pick. If you can, if someone's, you know, you've got a bunch of third-round picks sitting on your roster. You've got, already got a pretty full sort of team and a full plethora of talent. I don't mind making the move, having a shot on Antonio Brown because he can be a wide receiver one when healthy. Um, obviously, that was in the Tom Brady-led offense, but I think it's worth the shot, but I doubt you're going to get that price on him. I think he's more of just – he's just going to be a hold for most teams. What do you think? Yeah, no, no, no argument there, Frank. I think he's a yeah, he's a hold as well. Because you don't want to give up AB, like the potential of AB for a third. Um, but then you would for a second, but nobody's probably going to pay that. So, um, yeah, just 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 a hold. Well, these cookies fucking rock. These cookies is good. Good. These Subway cookies is fucking good. Give me two more. Give me two more. They're good. Give me 
Alrighty guys, what we're going to get stuck into now is our rising and falling player this week. Each of Andy and myself have brought a player each for each category and uh, we're going to go through those and sort of go through our thinking of why we think uh, this player is either rising or falling. Um, I'll start us off first. A player that already got a mentioned earlier in the uh, show when we're talking about running back rankings, it's Travis Etienne. Um, I think he's just a fantastic running back. Um, I know I've probably uh, been on the record on the show before, just, you know, in pieces here or there, how much of a fan I am of uh, his game. I think he's that modern day running back that we see um, really dominate fantasy football. When I think of Travis Etienne, I think of DeAndre Swift. I think of Alvin Kamara. I think of Aaron Jones. That's sort of the modern day running back. They're quite, they're a little bit smaller but they're just as fast. Um, they can sort of, they can take hits. I think a lot of those, those running backs have been sort of thought that they're injury prone, that they get banged up, but for the most part, they've stayed uh, relatively healthy, um, but they don't take up all of the carries. You know, they're going to end up with, you know, your 12 to 15 carries a game, but they're the running back that gets all the really high value touches out of the backfield. They throw the ball to them and then they get the uses in the red zone. I think that, Travis Etienne is going to give a nice boost to the Jacksonville offense. It's going to really going to need it. I think Trevor Lawrence is going to be so happy to have his best mate and Travis Etienne back next season. Um, I think he'll be the running back that'll be used, uh, you know, really heavily in the red zone. They can split him out wide. He basically runs a full route tree. He's a really, really talented uh, receiver. And I just think that sort of bodes well in the modern NFL. The running back can't just be the guy that runs the ball 30 times. I know that Derrick Henry is an exception to that and, you know, the way the Titans have set up their offense. But if we're talking most teams in the NFL, he's the perfect prototypical back for the modern game. Uh, I think he has a chance to, you know, be a massive part of that offense, basically score all the touchdowns, get all the, you know, with James Robinson now with a torn Achilles. I think they'll bring someone in, whether it's through the draft or free agency, they'll probably, you know, takes, what is it? 35, even 40% of the carries. That doesn't bother me. I think if he gets all the, if he gets the carries inside the red zone, if he gets carries on the goal line, if he gets all the receiving work, he's going to put up, you know, what close to 14, 15 fantasy points a game as a floor, which is really, really like, which is going to give you a massive, massive season total. So I think that Travis Etienne could be a really good buy um, in your dynasty league. If the person that has him is trying to cash in on the James Robinson injury, I think that with the James Robinson injury, it might be difficult to get a fair price on Travis Etienne. The owner might be really, really excited about that. Um, but I think it could be one of those situations, buy high and then enjoy the, the, uh, the production. Do you guys agree with that? During the season, uh, I could have probably, I, I don't know if it would have went through or not, but pick nine for Travis Etienne did come up and I said no. And looking back on that, probably not a good move. I, you know, now would do that and I don't think Dylan would. But, yeah, I'm with you. I think Travis Etienne... You know, I mean, we obviously don't know for sure at the NFL level and the Jaguars, God, they're a mess. But, you know, for the first, how many running backs get first round capital in the NFL? Not that many. And he's going to get fed. Um, I don't think the foot injury was that serious. So, yeah, hard to argue with the Travis Etienne takes from the Frankings. Yeah, well, the, um, the statistics that are showing for running backs that get taken in the first round, they're basically, I think it was something like 60% of all uh, 
you know, running back one season since about 2016 or something along those lines. About 60% of those have been first round running backs. So they, they dominate fantasy football. First round running backs, they absolutely matter um, regardless of the talent. But I actually think Travis Etienne's really talented. He's not, I don't think he's, you know, Najee Harris or uh, Josh Jacobs, who are those Alabama running backs that just seem to get drafted in the first round year after year when they don't seem to be fantastic talents, obviously still very good players. Um, but I just think he's going to be a difference maker for them. What do you guys, what do you think, Andrew? Um, yeah, I think the uh, most important thing is that, you know, Urban Meyer's gone, uh, you know, rest in peace, Urban. You know, I hope you find a job somewhere else. But, um, yeah, he's going to he's gonna be the man when he gets back, um, ETN. So, and, um, yeah, J-Rob going down really, really sucked for the man. Um, but what, yeah, what what would you do with J-Rob? You know, I don't want to get away from ETN, but, you know, we're all pretty um, excited by ETN in the future. But do you think J-Rob's dust now? Like, you're not touching him with a 10-foot pole? Or like, yeah, what's, what's your J-Rob take? Well, I think if you are a rebuilding team, J-Rob couldn't, may not be a terrible trade target if the team that has him, if they were, let's say they were an all-in team that traded for James Robinson after Travis Etienne went down, let's flip it completely opposite, you know, close to six, seven months ago now. Travis Etienne went down, James Robinson became the number one. You would have had a bunch of teams that traded draft capital to get James Robinson. They've sort of had a rather disappointing season with J-Rob. He's now torn, he's Achilles. You could probably give that, owner some draft capital back get James Robinson off their team maybe for a third or you know if you really have to pay up a second round pick you're probably not going to get him for a third it's going to cost you a second round pick um, especially with Cam Akers coming back from Achilles so fast there's maybe a little bit more optimism about the injury but I don't want to discount that as well if you can get him onto your rebuilding team because I think next year you got to assume that it's a wash the year after, um, I don't know what year of his contract that will be. I think it'll be the last year in his contract in Jacksonville. I think that he's a good enough running back that if he makes a good, nice return and he can contribute, um, he will get some carries in Jacksonville. I think they won't. I don't think they'll go away from him. I think they might, you know, free agency and in the draft they, you know, get some more complimentary backs. Um, he could come back, contribute. And then maybe find a new home because he's a talented running back. I think if he found a home in for you know free agency in a couple more seasons' time, he could be a really uh, valuable contributor. But it's going to be a really long hold. I don't think he's going to give you any value anytime soon. So I wouldn't recommend any contending teams or even meddling teams going after him. But I think if there's a team that's willing to just get rid of him, then absolutely. I think you pick him up if you're a rebuilding team. You're a few seasons away. Like I know Joel, your team's probably a couple seasons away. Lots of draft capital. J-Rob might not be a bad buy for you. I know you probably don't want to touch the injury. I know that's the way you like to play. You don't like to go looking for injuries, but if you're brave enough, it's not a bad idea. What do you think of that? I don't, I don't mind looking for injuries, but I'm not really looking for an undrafted running back coming off an Achilles, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, not really looking for an undrafted running back coming off an Achilles. Like, what, what, what am I giving up for J-Rob? Well, um, I uh, I inquired on Lawrence about J Rob. Um, he would Dylan Lawrence, shout out you, you're getting a lot of mentions on the pod. Um, I offered C Pat for J Rob and he uh told me to take a hike. So um, oh, what C- side of that trade would you rather be on? Yes, yeah, C if you're a winning if you're a winning team, like if you you know, his team currently constructed, you could compete next year. I would hundred percent take C Pat. 
Yeah, I rumors could... around the league he's tanking. Is that the rumors? Jeez. All right, let's see if I can uh, get a hold of some uh, assets off him then. That'd be great. He put um Cooper Cup on the trade block, Frank. Um, yeah, that's, that was interesting. Interesting move. Yeah, I did see that. I've uh, been in his DMs. So we'll see if that goes anywhere, though. What we might do is we might um, move us oh, Go for it. Sorry, Andy. No, you're right. Um, I just want to play a game. It's a, you know, it's a little three-pack we've got here. If we were hired as the uh, GM as the Jacksonville Jaguars, uh, how, are we, how are we approaching fixing that thing? All right. I say it's tough. quarterback in the first round. Oh, really? You go quarterback? Are you being serious no, or are you taking the piss? <laughs> no, I'm taking the piss. But how would you approach it, Frank and Joel? Or what would you do? I think you have to go, you know, if you like an offensive line, uh, offensive lineman, but the probably the first overall pick is going to be a defensive player. If uh, I believe the defensive player is going to probably going to go number one, his name escapes me. Um, he appears to be a difference maker. I think you have to, you know, build your defensive line. I think it's really important. Uh, some of the teams that have been sort of good for a while now, the Colts, uh, the 49ers, uh, those sort of teams, they've built their defensive line. The Eagles, they are kept investing in their defensive line. Um, and they stay sort of good for quite a while. So I think another addition to your defensive line, you um, get someone alongside Josh Allen that can, you know, make a difference. Um, you build your, you know, offensive line. I think you've got to get Trevor Lawrence some more weapons. I think, you know, they don't really have a solidified tight end. The wide receivers, they leave very, very uh, little to the imagination. I think they're super strong. I think they're probably one of the weaker groups in the NFL. We don't know what LaVisca Chenault is. We don't really know what DJ Chark is. Marvin Jones is on the back nine of his career. I think you have to go wide receiver. There's just holes everywhere, but I think the main positions I would go, defensive line, offensive line, and probably wide receiver. A difference maker there would help. What do you guys think? Would you agree with that, Joel? I'm trading back. Just to stop playing whatever assets I can get. And then just taking as many shots as I can get if I am the Jacksonville Jaguars. They have nothing. They probably have to, they'd have money, wouldn't they? Or they you know, Trevor Lawrence rookie contract. They've got to have some money. But yeah, I'm trading back, stockpiling some assets, and then seeing how that goes moving forward. And then hoping to land some sort of free agency in Trevor Lawrence's third or fourth year. And then we're pushing for the playoffs after that. Yeah, I think you just got to fill, start trying to fill holes through the draft. I don't know if free agency is the move because you start to run out of money quite quickly with the uh, cap situation, although you have Trevor Lawrence on his rookie deal. Yeah, I think you just got to build young players and just build some more core pieces. Um, it's going to be uh, – I feel like it can't be that horrible of a job to take as the coach, although there's so many holes in the roster. You have a young quarterback, young running back. you got a couple of good defensive pieces. They look like they found a good corner. They look like they've got Josh Allen on the defensive line. He's a really good player. I think he's fantastic. Um, it's not hey, the Frank, worst did job you hear in the he world. he sacked Josh Allen? He sacked Josh Allen in that Okay. Did you hear about that? Or? Yes, I did hear about Josh Allen sacking Josh Allen. Uh, they absolutely loved it on the commentary. You reckon they loved it? Yeah, Scott Hansen couldn't shut up about it. For like half an hour. It's all the red zone was. It's the only thing I remember from the whole season of red zone. It was Josh Allen sacked Josh Allen. Oh, they were going crazy. It was, it was honestly painful. Um, if- Houston had a conversation and said, 
Trevor Lawrence for Deshaun Watson. Who says no? God, isn't that a conversation? I mean, I doubt uh, Deshaun Watson wouldn't waive his no trade clause to go to Jacksonville. I know that much. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah sorry to derail the podcast. I just thought it was an interesting discussion because, you know, Jacksonville are a mess. Anyway, listeners, I'll jump into my rising player. Um, today I'm going to bring forward T. Higgins. I think I've mentioned him a few times. I'm a big fan. I uh, tried to trade for him off Matt Barber. Uh, didn't go down very smoothly. Uh, he won't give him to me. But, you know, six foot four, 215 pounds. Uh, T. Higgins is a big boy. Uh, sometimes when you watch the Bengals, you think the uh, tight ends caught it. Uh, big 85, and he's just running. But it's actually T. Higgins. Um, you know, he's a machine. Round two draft capital. Um, I had him in redraft, our redraft league, as a rookie. And, um, you know, he gave me... 67 receptions, 900 yards, six touchdowns. Um, you know, everyone thought he could be the new big thing, big receiver. Um, then the Bengals draft Jamar Chase, and, you know, that narrative kind of soured. Nobody really wanted him. Um, year two, same story. 75 receptions, 1,100 yards, six touchdowns. He's still producing. He was the wide receiver 13 on uh, points per game this year. Um, I think... Listeners, you could really buy him low for what he can give you because, you know, Jamar Chase is the man. He's, you know, the next Randy Moss. Like, you know, he won people championships. That Chiefs game was insane. It's in people's minds. Um, but, you know, T. Higgins and Jamar Chase are really cohesive together. Uh, T. Higgins, 25% target share, 33% of the team's air yards. You know, he's uh, 22 years old. You know, the sky's the limit for this guy. I think he's a top 15 wide receiver going forward. Um, yeah, and there's not much doubt in my mind about that. Uh, what do you guys think about T. Higgins? You go, Frank. Yeah, I completely yeah, agree right. with that, actually. So I actually think that you're bang on, Andrew, because T. Higgins, he's just a really an absolute specimen of a human. Like you said, you think he's the tight end running around there. He's just so big, so strong, but he's also got that speed to go over the top. He's also got the uh, athleticism to go over the top of the defender himself as well, which is really, really awesome to see from such a young wide receiver. Like you said, we saw him break out as a rookie, gave you 900 yards, six touchdowns, and then he's just gone from strength to strength this season, even with the addition of Jamar Chase. Uh, really good point you made saying that, uh, Jamar Chase, he's the one getting all the attention in the fantasy space. You know, he dropped 50 points in the in the championship game, which is fantastic. Um, but it's just taking away from what uh, T. Higgins did this season. So I think if you can get him at a, you know, a wide receiver two, you know, a late wide receiver two dynasty value, I think he's closer to being, you know, a top 12 wide receiver than he is being a wide, you know, a wide receiver three, if that makes sense. So I think he's close to being top 12 as opposed to being, you know, wide receiver 24. So I think that he's a really, really good buy. If you have a a team that if there's a team in your league that, you know, isn't super bought into T Higgins, if they want to sort of cash in on the massive season Joe Burrows had. Um, But yeah, just, it doesn't appear that that's good. All this production for those two wide receivers is going to stop with Joe Burrow under center for the, you know, the foreseeable future. I wouldn't imagine he goes anywhere. I feel like he'll get a massive contract in Cincinnati in a couple of years' time. You could probably enjoy T. Higgins for the next three years pretty carefree, and you'll have a really rock-solid wide receiver, you know, what, two wide receiver, one maybe. He finishes wide receiver 13 in points per game, like you said. So right on the cusp of being a wide receiver one. What do you think, Joel? Are you bought in? 
He's tied to Joe Burrow too. How good Joe Burrow? Like, oh, him and Herbert, they're so good. So much better than Tua. Tua sucks. But, like, yeah, tied to Joe Burrow. I don't really care that Jamar Chase is over the other side of the field. Like, the target percentage is still there. Air yard's still there. Young, high draft capital, already producing the first two years. Yeah, sign me up to Titty Higgins. Yeah, it's a terrible excuse to, to discount T. Higgins just because there's another star wide receiver on the other side. I mean, it never stopped the likes of, you know, we're talking about old school wide receiver duos here. You never stopped, you know, Demarius Thomas from being good because Emmanuel Sanders was there. It never stopped Adam Thielen being good because Stefan Diggs was there. and never stopped, well, even to go three ways now, it hasn't stopped Chris Godwin or Mike Evans or Antonio Brown from being good because there's the other guys on the other side. When you're tied to such a really good quarterback with high passing volume and you're getting the targets, you're going to put up fantasy points regardless of who your teammates are. So I think it's a really, really good uh, rising play you've got there, Andrew. Um, I mean, Jamar Chase caught 13 touchdowns on the year and T Higgins caught six. Do you think like that number levels out or do you just think, you know, T Higgins is going to get six to eight touchdowns and Jamar Chase is just going to, you know, break numbers? No, you're right. I agree with that. Yeah, I totally agree with that. It would shock me if Jamar Chase, you know, I think still think Jamar Chase is going to be a double touchdown, a double-digit touchdown guy just because his connection with Joe Burrow. But to see to see T. Higgins get another two or three touchdowns on the year, I, is that shocking to anyone? I don't think so. 17-game season too, like he's going to get that up to nine or ten. Yeah, exactly right, exactly right. What I'm going to do now is I'm going to move on to my falling player. This one might come as a little bit of a surprise, but I know I don't think either of you guys, we haven't spoken about this player at all on the podcast, um, sort of just gone under the radar. Um, I don't think either of you guys are massive fans. I don't think anyone hates him. Um, but it is Hollywood Brown, wide receiver for the Baltimore Ravens. Um, he started off this season absolutely red, red hot. Through his first eight games this season, he was averaging 16 points per game. And if you were to stat that out for the whole season, I know you don't like to you know, extrapolate you know, smaller sample size, but eight games is not that small of a sample size. It's half the season, essentially. You extrapolate that all the way out, and then he ends up being the wide receiver six, which is awesome. You know, we had uh, Dylan Lawrence in his league. He had Marquise Brown just put up a bunch of points through the first eight weeks, and he was absolutely flying. For the next seven games, he only averaged seven points per game. And I just want to contextualize sort of what happened. I, you know, I thought it might, you might think that, oh, maybe his target volume went down or anything like that. His target volume over those seven games was 13 targets, 10, 7, 8, 14, 9, and 8, which is crazy to think he's getting that many targets and only averaging seven points per game. We saw that over that stretch of games, his average depth of target came way down and then he's also yards per catch also came way down so he's just not putting up as many fantasy points so i was sort of wanted to dig a little bit deeper to see why this was happening one factor is that rashad bateman entered the offense so he came back into the team he joined the team after having a core injury for the first half of the season or so so i think that he was starting to get a few more of the deeper targets nothing too too crazy but they started to bring marquise brown closer to the line of scrimmage so i think that limited his upside quite a bit and then we also saw the emergence of uh your guy mark andrews andrew so um he basically exploded in the second half of the season, ended up being the tight end one in fantasy, which is fantastic. But I think it just meant that Marquise Brown took a back seat in the offense, which 
even still, should not have really happened considering the target volume he was getting from Lamar Jackson. Um, I found that his PFF grade was 69.8, which ranked him 55th in the NFL. So nothing's really special there. He's not grading out as a particularly good receiver, um, which is surprising to see because in 2019, in his rookie season, he graded out as 72.8. And in 2020, he improved slightly and was 74.6. So I think we're seeing that Marquise Brown has really sort of essentially peaked at a very young age. He's peaked. He's 24 years old. But I don't know if we're going to see a, an improved Marquise Brown next season. So if it was me who had Marquise Brown on the team, on my team, I'd kind of want to be trying to sell him if I can. If I can get a first-round pick for Marquise Brown, if I can go from a 24, probably 25-year-old receiver by the time the season rolls around, for a 20-year-old, 21-year-old wide receiver coming into the draft this season or even a 2023 pick, we know how talented that draft will be. I just think that... The risk-reward ratio is just so high there. I think you're going to get a player that's worth more than Marquise Brown from the second he walks into the NFL, as soon as you put a name to that pick. And then, as soon, and especially in the years to come, I think he's going to be a declining asset over the next few years. I think he'll still put up points, but I don't see any real upside. I think there's uh, too many mouths to feed for Lamar Jackson with Rashad Bateman, Marquise Brown, and Mark Andrews as well, especially if J.K. Dobbins comes back, he catches a few passes. We've just seen sort of absolutely, you know, guys like Devin Duvernay and stuff like that are just catching passes from Lamar Jackson. It doesn't appear that they're committed to one receiver or anything like that. So I think he could be a good sell candidate for teams that are had that have Hollywood Brown. What do you guys think? Do you agree with that? Yeah, um, Hollywood looked real good early. Like he showed heaps of flashes, but, um, you know, Level, uh, no, what's the saying? It's like, uh, no, cream rust to the top, I think is what I want because, uh, Mark Andrews, championship winning, uh, tight end. Mark Andrews, um, you know, he just showcased why he is the tight end one going forward. Listeners, uh, buy Mark Andrews, you win titles. Um, and yeah, just I think Hollywood Brown is just going to be that, you know, wide receiver three for your team. If that's what you want, you know, you can have him, he's fine if you can get more value than that. I agree with Frank and, you know, sell while you can. He's, um, he's just that guy. Like guys like Michael Pittman, uh, Mike Williams, I'd rather them. I'd probably still rather Bateman, Richard Bateman than Hollywood going forward. So, um, you know, the Ravens don't throw it a hell of a lot. And, you know, when they do, it's going to the tight end. It's going to the running back. They have two receivers that, you know, um, yeah, it's just I'm not sure about Hollywood moving forward. Yeah, like you said, Andrew, you said that he was a wide receiver three. Um, he finished as the wide receiver 24 in points per game. So that's a high-end wide receiver three, a back-end wide receiver two. But that was after the massively hot start he had. So realistically, he was even less than a wide receiver three in fantasy, which is crazy to think in that back half of the year. Uh, and then he finished as wide receiver 22 overall. So really just uninspiring stuff. I think that you can, if you can capitalize on the name value, if you still have people in your league that think that he's the number one, you know, the number one receiver in a really high powered Lamar Jackson offense. I don't think that's the case. It's Mark Andrews over the middle scoring a bunch of touchdowns and it's Rashad Bateman trying to, you know, pick up first downs. Um, I think that Marquise Brown is really good for their NFL offense but if we're talking about fantasy here, I think that he's just got a really, really limited upside. Uh, what do you think, Joel? Yeah, the difference between T. Higgins and how we were in on him was just because Joe Burrow can just throw for 
Is it crazy that Joe Burrow would throw for almost 100 more yards a game than Lamar Jackson and, you know, 10, 15 more touchdowns? No, God, no. That's, that's basically what that's, happened. Yeah, that's just the difference for, for me. Like, I don't know. I just don't know if Lamar Jackson can support Mark Andrews, Rashad Bateman, Hollywood Brown, and all those other, like, you, you know, Devin Duvernay's of the world as well, with, you know, passes coming out of the backfield too while rushing himself and just a low passing offense to begin with. But, yeah, like, what did – I think Dylan – shout out to Dylan Lawrence again – what did he buy? Didn't he? I think he traded T. Higgins for Hollywood Brown earlier in the year. Yeah, he did actually. So that was um. I and like Michael Gallup was in that deal too, and yeah, it was like at the time we all thought he got robbed, and then Hollywood Brown was like crazy. Uh, listen. Yeah. Um, okay. So this is what Dylan Lawrence gave up. For Marquise Brown listeners, uh, this was the trade that went down September 29, 2021, so early in the season. Uh, he gave up Michael Gallup and T. Higgins for Hollywood Brown and Alan Lazard. Now, I think uh, Matt Barber wins that trade purely because of T. Higgins. I don't know how you two feel about that. Yeah, well, like, at point, before I traded for Michael Gallup, RIP, but even before the deal, like before Gallup got injured, it was like a landslide. And then knowing that he traded Gallup after that anyway, it just makes it even more in the side of Matt Barber. Just, yeah, he sold low on Higgins and Gallup, high on Brown, just really bad move. Yeah, we don't like to talk about timing the market, but uh, I think, you know, if we're talking about timing the market, I think uh, Matt sold Marquise Brown at his absolute height and he cashed in and got a really young, promising wide receiver in T. Higgins. I think, would we agree, T. Higgins for Marquise Brown and Alan Lazard, it's still to the T. Higgins side and he got Michael Gallup. So just a massive win for Matt there in that trade for sure. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. Um my uh, falling player, guys, um, could be a controversial take. I'll keep it short. Uh, Tom Brady himself, he's, uh, he's not going to be – he can't be. He's 45 now. Like, he cannot keep doing this. Uh, QB2 on the year, potential MVP. Uh, we might get into that later, who we think MVP and Super Bowl picks are going to be. But, um, you know, everyone's hyped up in this – uh, Man in the Arena documentary. If you haven't seen it, watch it. It's good. But um, yeah, it's just making everyone love Tom Brady because of what he's what he's done. But um, you know, he's forty five now, and Frank Joel, you might say, yeah, but he's still doing it. AB's gone. Chris Godwin, he's not going to have you next year. Uh, who knows where he signs? He could be gone. <laughs> Gronk, year older. He's another one. Sell him too. Brady and Gronk. I'm not calling for the demise of Tom Brady. I'm calling for the fantasy demise of Tom Brady. He cannot keep doing this. Tampa Bay are in turmoil. That coach, you know, it's very wishy-washy there. AB's trying to burn that place to the ground. Um, you know, people say you never bet against Tom Brady. You can do it in fantasy. Um, you know, I've got, I'm fully writing this. Tom Brady cannot keep doing it. You know, if Sal Tom's an all-in guy, so the all-in fantasy dynasty guy. You could maybe get Trevor Lawrence. You could maybe get a first for Tom Brady. You could maybe get Fields, Mac Jones. I don't know. You want to do like a position swap. You could get like 
Clyde for Tom Brady. It's not ridiculous. You get Claypool. I'm taking all those players over Tom Brady. He's 45. He can't keep eating plants and just being the man. He, he's done. This is it. This is his last hurrah. There it is, Frank. Is that too hot or is that too controversial? I don't know. No, I, I understand it, but I think you're wrong. But at the same time, where would Tom Brady have to finish for your class yourself as right? Outside of the top, what, eight quarterback finishes or something like that? Or are you saying he's not um, going to be a quarterback one next year? Yeah, guaranteed not a quarterback one next year. Jeez, give so top twelve. So I just want to I just want to be clear here on the record. He's not going to finish inside the top twelve. No, he doesn't. He has no rushing upside. He's not going to throw for as near as many touchdowns as he has this year. And Frank, he's forty five. He's like our dad's age. Like think about our dads running out there and playing quarterback. Like it's, it's just it can't happen. It's happening. I'll never bet against Tom Brady. I don't know how you feel, Joel. <laughs> Yeah, just leaving out of the Tom Brady case. Like, we all hated Tom, but now we like Tom. Like, you know, it's, it's funny watching him run around, be like 45 years old and still be the best player in the league. Can't, like, I don't, I'm not buying Tom Brady. Like, you know, if you I, if you could get, I don't know who you said, like Mac Jones or Justin Bieber, like if you could get those for Tom Brady and you're not going to win a championship next year, I would do that deal to get the Fields or Mac Jones side. But... Yeah, like I'm not calling for the demise of Tom Brady. Like I've been hearing that for the last ten years. Like, you, you, you know, there's no winning. Yeah, but like ten years ago was too hot takey. Like right now is the time, the demise, Frank. Right. All right, you've heard it here, right. listeners. Andrew's calling for the demise of Tom Brady. I mean. He's not the first, and I doubt he'll be the last. I think uh, we'll have this conversation this time next year about how Tom Brady finishes a top-five quarterback again. Uh, I think Chris Godwin will re-sign. Mike Evans will still be there. Gronk, you know, Gronk, OJ Howard, Cameron Brait, they're all still there. He'll still have probably Leonard Fournette will re-sign. His offense will be completely back, and he'll finish as a top-five quarterback again. Um, but that's not a conversation. Year. Yeah, I reckon we'll be having this conversation in five years' time. Yeah, exactly. It seems like people thought, surely not in five years' time, Tom Brady's still dominating the NFL, but here we are. All right, listeners, uh, you've got you've got Andrew again. We're gonna I'm gonna try and do this every uh, episode, just throwing a new random segment. Uh, so just had a trade go down in our league. Um, I got Amari Cooper for a 24 first off Jack Burgess. Uh, thank you, Berger. I think I won that deal. Um, you know, with Gallup going down, um, Amari Cooper, you know, ceilings the roof. Um, but, you know, we'll discuss that further if you want, Frank. But we're going to do uh, a little Tinder segment because, you know, you love Tinder. Everyone loves Tinder. Player um, situation. And you're going to tell me, Frank, if you're swiping right or left. Don't need any, you know. Analysis, uh, it's wiping if you're, you know, sexing it up or if you're just passing. You ready? All right, let's go. All right, Saquon, will he ever be back to a top 10 running back? Oh, give me that. Swipe right. Swipe right or swipe left? Which, oh, yeah, 100%. Swipe right. Is, okay. Ridley will be back to a top 10 wide receiver. Oh, swipe left. It's too unsure. 
Joel? Yes, some stage in his career, yes. Um, Jerry Judy is a bust. For fantasy, swipe right, yeah. No, just need a new quarterback in Denver. Um, Darren Waller-Cliff is coming. Like next year, like he won't, he won't ever be the same again. Swipe right, Darren Waller Cliff already happened. Swipe left, seems fine. Um, little fun, exciting Tinder experience. Eric Gibson, top twenty-four running back moving forward. Yes, no. Swipe right, swipe left. Uh, swipe right, hundred percent. Right, twenty-four is low. Move it up. Okay, move okay. It up to fifteen. Top fifteen running back going forward. Still swipe right. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a left on 15. The Redskins of the football team are a mess. Okay, that was our fun little game. Listeners, you got a bit of uh, conflicting results from Frank and Joel with some players and dumping some others. So, Frank, if you want to like dive into uh, you know, the, the league and the trades and stuff or any of that, uh, go for it. Yeah, let's jump straight into it, actually. I want to start off our league recap with a big congratulations to our champion, Andrew Amor, our podcast host. So it's a... It's nice to keep it within the podcast that uh, someone, one of us in here won, but at the same time, it wasn't me, so I'm very upset. But congratulations to him. Uh, his team was just too strong, ended up uh, winning by quite a large margin in the end. So congratulations to you, Andrew. Any words that for the uh, listeners? You know, I just, uh, you know, I want to thank God. You know, without him, nothing, nothing's possible. Um, you know, I want to thank the uh, organisation, you know, the team. We couldn't have done it. Uh, we're a real cohesive unit. Uh, the players... You know, can't do it without the league itself. So you, you guys, you, you know, you fought hard, but um, yeah, the best, the best team won at the end of the day. Um, and yeah, we're gonna run it back. So we're not. What did Tom Brady say? We're not going anywhere. But he's done. But where, where, uh, we're going. The honesty time. But you're not, of course. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. So we just get started. And even after winning the. Uh, fantasy championship in our league. Andrew spent uh, no time getting comfortable. He actually, like you said before, made a trade for Amari Cooper. So he sent a 2024 first round pick for Amari Cooper. And uh, like he said, he thinks he won that trade. I, I'm inclined to agree. I actually wanted to put an offer in for Amari Cooper. I was quite interested. I didn't think that I would be, you know, compete competing with other teams that uh, that hard or that quickly. And then I saw the trade come through and I was actually very upset. I'm still not quite over it. I really thought I had a chance of getting Amari Cooper. I think he's a really good off-season trade target. If you're a competing team, I think uh, public perception on Amari Cooper is uh, quite down. I think you can get a good deal on him just like Andrew did. Uh, do you agree with that, Joel? I know Andrew does because he's the one who made the deal. But 2024 first-round pick for Amari Cooper, yes or no? <laughs> Yes, for Andrew's team. And I don't know if I see a lot. I still think you'll be all right in 2024. Too. So, like, you know, I hate people that go, it's going to be a low pick. You don't know it's going to be a low pick when you trade the pick a year out. 
But, like, yeah, I don't think it's a bad deal. Good for both teams because Burjo is in dire straits and Andrew could probably win a title again next year. Yeah, I think um, in particular, you're making it really difficult on teams like Burjo that have no draft capital because you control the whole draft. You've got all the picks. You sort of control that value for those picks going forward. So he's now having to trade some of his, you know, quite good players. You know, Mario Cooper's not that old. He's only 28 years old. He's probably got, you know, two or three years, uh, good years left in him. So I think it's a really good addition for Andrew. Um, there is a bit of uh, cloudiness around whether he will be in Dallas next year. Um, you know, there's some rumors going around that they, you know, save, I think it's 15, more than $15 million against the cap if they were to cut Amari Cooper. I think it was a possibility if Michael Gallup had have sort of had a really big season, if he had have um, sort of usurped into like, you know, that 1A, 1B role between the three of them, I suppose, you know, 1A, B and C, if, the, you know, the three of those wide receivers ended up coexisting. Um, with him missing time early in the season and now with the ACL injury, I think that Amari Cooper is safe on that roster next year. He'll be there with Dak Prescott again. And then he probably signs, you know, if him and Dak still have a good relationship and he ends up having a good season, I think, you know, he signs a team-friendly deal for another couple more seasons after that. I think it's a really safe investment by you, Andrew. Yeah, like, you hear the Dallas fans are chanting Coop. Um, you know, he's not going anywhere. Everyone loves him. He's a, You can just book him into, like, you know, top, would you say, like, wide receiver 18 to wide receiver 22, and, you know, he's fine. Um, I think... Um, and, yeah, I don't want to get into, like, a strategic rant or anything, but I think Burjo is doing a mistake where he is overvaluing picks, like, three years in advance. Like, he's not going to have a player for, like, three years. And I get Amari Cooper, who's a producer straight away. Um, I just think that's a mistake. You know, I'm going to honesty for a year, but um, I just think overvaluing picks is, like, a trend I'm already seeing, and I don't think it's uh, the right thing to do. Like, what do you two think about that? Like, do you think buying future picks is a good idea or a bad idea? Or like, you know, let's, uh, let's talk strategy. Oh, I think dynasty is a very emotional game. I think there comes in sort of waves of picks are really, really, really in fashion. I think they are sort of, we're getting to that stage now. We've got the NFL draft coming up in probably, you know, four months or whatever it is. Um, We're now sort of in our off season and it would be our fantasy season finish. The draft picks are becoming really, really valuable. I think they'll continue to grow in value as we get closer to the draft season as well. Um, and then, uh, you know, your veteran players aren't sort of the in thing right now because you're not having to set a lineup for another, you know, 200 days or whatever it might be. It's a long, long time away. So I think you're getting good value on veteran players. I and mean, then you've got a lot of our uh, league mates overvaluing picks. What do you think, Joel, as someone who owns all the picks? Yeah, it's good owning all the picks about this time of year. It sucks during the year because, like, you know, your team's not that good. But, you know, now it's good. I own all the picks. Uh, I like, um, I always just thought, you know, buy low, sell high would be the way to go in Dynasty. And, like, you know, I've won, like, two games throughout the year, so I'm not going to, you know, how good am I? But it feels like it's a good time you could cash in if you, you know have all these draft picks right now. Like if you wanted to cash in, make a run for your league title, league title, you could. Um, if you wanted to, you know, 
build a true dynasty and use those picks on good young players, hit a couple in the draft, and yeah, you could really build a young dynasty team that way. Like, you know, if you had picks in this this draft just gone, you could you realistically, if you had three first round picks, you could have picked up Kyle Pitts, Jamar Chase, and Javante Williams, um, James yeah, Najee Harris, anyone. And then in the second round, you could have probably got like Mac Jones as quarterback. And your team is set at four key positions for the foreseeable future. But, you know, if and if you wanted to trade that for more proven assets, you could do go down that path. Too. You just have so much more flexibility by having these picks because everyone can use them and they can do what they want with them rather than trading for a player that maybe only two or three teams in the league value as highly as you do or whether they actually want that player at all. Yeah, to a little bit of more detail um, in terms of what I personally think, I think this time of the year with football still on as we go into the NFL playoffs, I think it's a really good time to try and accumulate uh, 2022 picks, even, you know, 2023, 2024. But I think picks now before we get into the draft season, just while the NFL football is still on, because as soon as the Super Bowl finishes, everyone's going to turn their attention to the draft and it's going to be next to impossible to get those picks off owners. And then once you get to the draft, those picks are going to be worth as much as they possibly can right before the draft. Then those newly drafted players are still going to have their cachet and their um, importance, you know, and then you have your veterans and stuff like that. Your veterans are probably going to be uh, players that you want to buy, you know, a month or two, probably two months leading up to the NFL season. Because I found when we, uh, you know, started our dynasty league, we had our startup draft, you know, probably before we had it a bit before the preseason as we got closer to the start, there was a bit of a rush to try and fill your lineups with good players. So we saw a lot of future draft picks, a lot of young players getting traded for proven veterans that people wanted to put in their lineups. So I find that if you can get a hold of those veterans either now or in the next six months before uh, football plays, football starts next season, um, is now probably a good time just to accumulate assets. I think it's a bit of a value game in the off season. I don't want uh, the listeners to be too worried about trying to fill, you know, a running back position or a tight end position or a quarterback. I think if you can just accumulate value during this time, you put yourself in a good position later on down the track to then trade that liquidity. Like Joel said, those draft picks are just liquid. You can trade them for whatever you want. Everyone wants them. Um, you can get whatever players you need to fill your lineup really, really late. Would you guys agree with that? Is that how you guys like to play? Or do you like to have your lineups set for a long time? You like to find cornerstone assets and place them there for a long time? I mean, yeah, cornerstone assets are fantastic. But um, my team's getting old. And, you know, uh, as soon as the uh, the uh, championship, you know, came home to uh, me, I um, immediately wanted to sell off like my, you know, aging players. I wanted to, you know, see the price on DeAndre Hopkins, Nick Chubb, Tyler Lockett. Um, but, you know, I've realized now really isn't the time to sell veterans because nobody wants them. Everyone wants draft picks. So if I can, you know, hold off on that until, as you said, Frank, you know, just before the season starts, a bit of hype comes on about them or, you know, people want to fill in their roster around the trade deck. Line. Like you see people panic and need a player to help them down the stretch. Like, um, yeah, it's just I think right now is the time to, you know, um, sell your picks if you want to, acquire picks if you can, and, you know, or not even touch those veterans because, yeah, it's just 
the value on them isn't isn't great right now. Yeah, exactly. Right. Go for Joel. Go for Joel. I just think, yeah, the biggest mistake you can make is not knowing what your team is. Like doing a Zach Wheeler hand, shout out wheels, and thinking your team's going to be good. And then you end up, what, like one stage during the season, he was like three and eight or something like that. Like, you know, and you've got no draft picks. You've got aging Travis Kelsey, Julio Jones. You've got all these old people that haven't worked out. And then you're just left with nothing and then you have to like try sell all these players who you bought high on it's just a mess as long as you like you know you realize what your team is and then you play to that and you won't be left without with losing so much value and you won't just be in a terrible spot like some teams find themselves in as long as you you know have the self-awareness of you know my team is good i can win a title i'll do this or my team isn't up to it I need to go get younger, get more picks, or, you know, I'm a middling team, but there is a chance that I can win. I'll push in. But if you do push in, you have to realise that if you don't win, you could be in a world of hurt. Shout out Jack Burgess. Yeah, well, shout out Jack Burgess indeed. Um, but I think that's, like I think I said last week as well, when I got eliminated from our game, um, when I got eliminated our semi-final. I don't think, yeah, I didn't push all my chips in and it uh, could have been the difference between me and a championship uh, this season, but I'm still in a strong position, so I don't feel too bad about it. You just went up to it, buddy. You just, you just went up to it, mate. Well, I've, yeah, clearly I was while I wasn't even still. I don't know who I could have traded for. You know, I've got a few extra first-round picks. I'm not sure who could have made the difference there regardless. I think Andrew's team was too strong in the end. A bunch of goddamn nerds. Uh, what we will do now is we're going to move on to our 2022 rookie analysis. Um, I've obviously I brought a quarterback, and Andrew has who have you got that you're going to be looking at this week? Yeah, all right. I'll I'll, uh, I'll kick us off. Um, wide receiver, you know, it is the uh, the strength of the class, the wide receiver position. So um, Garrett Wilson, Ohio State. Um, I think he's the better receiver over Chris Olave. Um, so. Um, I think he's a really safe pick. Like uh, production this year has been 70 catches, 1,060 yards, 12 touchdowns. Um, but he really excels in like contested catch, um, despite his size. Like he's six foot 188. He's not a monster like uh, Drake London or your boy uh, Traylon Burks. Um, so he he's still um, ball-tracking ability and catches the ball at his, at his highest point. Um, I don't know if you've seen these guys, but. Uh, just just search Garrett Wilson catch and it'll come up his game against Clemson probably like two years ago. And he broke out as a true freshman sophomore. Like he he just produces. Um, he basically in that catch he like dived over a receiver and somehow caught it. Like he he's insane. He's just um yeah he's just athletic. Makes defenders miss after the catch. Um, there's rumors that he'll be the wide receiver one off the board in the actual draft. So you know if you get a nice little number on that in our uh, gambling books i'd i'd uh, recommend you uh you know having a nibble on that number but um i definitely recommend taking him in the top 10 of rookie drafts i'll admit doesn't have the same ceiling as you know drake london Traylon burks but i think i just think he's a really good football player and i think if you want to play it safe in the draft take him because i just 
can't see him being a bust personally. Um, yeah, that's all I have to say about Garrett Wilson. Um, yeah, I, I just think he's a really good prospect. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I think he looks like a really, really solid player. Um, like you said, I don't know if he has the ceiling that Drake London and Traylon Burks do, but I don't think you can go wrong with this pick here. I think um, NFL teams are going to value the you know him really highly. Like you said, he might be the first wide receiver off the board, and that makes him extremely valuable. If he finds a good home, you know, with a good quarterback and a good offense, I think he's going to be uh, really, really helpful for your team if he can put up um, good fantasy points, especially as a even as a rookie. I think. Um, the time where we waited for rookie wide receivers, if we, you know, you give them two or three years, I don't know if that's, uh, you know, the way we want to be looking at wide receiver talent anymore. I think that if you see them break out as a rookie, I think that is like the number one indicator for me. I don't know. I honestly couldn't recall a rookie that had a really, really quiet or disappointing rookie season and then broke out in year two or year three. Like I'm sure there is some, and I'm sure I'm going to get flamed in the comments for missing someone completely obvious, but these rookie wide receivers, especially the ones that are taken in the first and second round of the draft, they show what they are, what they can do as a rookie straight away. You know, the likes of Devonta Smith, Jalen Waddle, you know, CD Lamb last year, all of these really, really good young wide receivers, they show what they're made of as a rookie. So I think that's quite important. He looks NFL ready. So I think it's going to bode really well for him. Yeah, so I think Garrett Wilson, he's a really, really solid prospect. I think he's going to do well in the NFL. I think that he's going to be a really good pick. Like Andrew said, inside of the top 10 picks for your rookie draft, if he ends up being the first one off the board, I think he could be even higher than that. I think he might end up being, you know, that 106, 107. No, I've got the 107 in our draft, so it could be, a, you know, a real option there if I find if, he find, if I find that he has a good landing spot. Um, but I guess we'll have to wait and see. These landing spots are going to make a big difference for wide receivers, especially, uh, you know, whether these players have good quarterbacks or not. What I will do now is I'm going to move on to my prospect that I've brought to the table for this episode. It is a quarterback. Uh, we we went over old biz quarterback, Matt Corral, in our first episode. This week, I'm going to bring uh, my sort of take on Kenny Pickett, uh, quarterback from Pittsburgh. Uh, he's six foot two, 220 pounds. So he's got that prototypical quarterback size, maybe slightly shorter than you were hoping. But again, he's not six foot. He's not under six foot. He's not, you know, Baker Mayfield, Russell Wilson, where height becomes into question. Um, he's a really strong athlete. He can avoid the pass rush we saw in college, you know, with just, uh, just mobile enough where he can sidestep defenders and things like that. Kind of in that Joe Burrow uh, build where he can sort of move around the pocket enough so that he doesn't get hit. Um, he's, was just short of 250 rushing yards this season. So he's not a total, total liability on the ground. He can move around as well. We saw, you know, Mac Jones got a little bit of that mobility, nothing too crazy, but he's a prototypical pocket passer. If we're looking at the quarterbacks uh, in this draft class, I would unequivocally say Kenny Pickett is the best pocket passer in this draft, in my opinion, because he threw for 4,300 yards, 42 touchdowns, and seven interceptions, which was massively improved over his first two seasons where he actually struggled quite a bit. And we weren't sure whether he was going to be, you know, this top-end draft talent, but he's climbed up draft boards um, as far as NFL mock drafts are concerned and apparently the uh, league perception as well. It wouldn't shock me at all if he's the first quarterback taken off the board in the NFL, especially with Matt Corral getting that leg injury in his bowl game. Um, as far as his grading goes, per PFF, he had a 92.3 passer grade. Uh, he had a 95.1 deep passing grade, which I think is awesome to see. I think the NFL 
is a league where you're going to have to throw the ball deep because if that if NFL defenses can key in on you and they know that you can't throw the deep ball, you're not accurate enough, don't have a big enough arm, you're going to struggle because they're just going to play to your weaknesses. And then also a grade of 93.7 in these intermediate throws. He had a 78.8 adjusted completion percentage, and that was seventh best in college football. He had 1,300 deep yards, and that was sixth in college football. So I think those two stats there are just telling you that he's an accurate passer and he loves to throw the ball deep. He threw a lot of touchdowns, not many interceptions, had a really, really strong year this season. After having a two seasons prior, he was quite um, – he had trouble, you know, staying on the field. He had trouble uh, not turning the ball over. He didn't score that many touchdowns. Reminded me of someone that went number one overall a couple of years ago, and that's Joe Burrow as well. We saw him have a massive, massive final season at LSU. Not to compare the two because the two are very, very different prospects. We had Joe Burrow go number one overall. Not saying that that Kenny Pickett is going to go number one overall. I don't think he's the same kind of prospect. But we saw him elevate his game in his last season, just as Joe Burrow did, and that they are around about the same size as well. My only issue is someone that's also the same size, big arm, someone that also threw a lot of touchdowns, didn't throw many interceptions in college, sort of used their athleticism and then them being a better athlete than a lot of players on the field is Broncos quarterback Drew Locke. He was someone I personally was really excited that the Broncos got a hold of in the draft. Looked like a really big arm quarterback with a little bit of mobility, just looked like a prototypical player. But then when he got to the NFL, he really struggled at the next level. So I think that could be something that Kenny Pickett struggles with as well. He Sometimes he stares down his receivers and it gives the defense time to get there. And that's something I've seen a lot of Drew Locke do. So that scares me just a little bit. But if he gets first-round draft capital, he's going to matter for fantasy, I think. He will get first-round draft capital, could be the first quarterback off the board. Um, has anyone actually had a chance to have a look at Kenny Pickett? What do we guys? What do you guys think? Um, you know, I was a member of the uh, the train that was uh, Matt Corral 101 rookie draft. Uh, we took a big hit on the uh, on the injury front, but you know, I think Kenny Pickett, you know, with that injury to Matt Corral, he could um, definitely be the first quarterback off the board now. Um, you know, NFL teams do get scared off of injuries. Um, yeah, Frank Kenny Pickett. 81.8 QBR on the season, 67 points from completion percentage. You know, he's got talent, really good pocket passer, as you said. Uh, hard to argue that he's the best in his class. Um, yeah, if he lands in a good spot, uh, he could. he's one that could be ready to go straight away. So I like that pick. Um, you have to start looking at Kenny Pickett uh, high up in rookie drafts now that uh, the whole Matt Corral situation. Um, yeah. Uh, what was that? Was it an ankle or a, was it a leg? What, what did he actually do? Do you know? Yeah, well, we, I saw him get hit in the leg, but they're saying that it was a high ankle sprain, that it's not too serious. They probably reckon, you know, you're four to six weeks and now he'll rest up and he'll be ready to go for all of the uh, off-season activities, whether he plays the senior bowl or not so remains to be seen. Um, but he'll be ready for all, you know, the the uh, all the pro days, all the, uh, the combine and things like that. I don't think it's going to impact his draft stock too much. I wouldn't have thought, but I guess I have to wait and see how that heals up. Yeah. It'd be interesting to see where uh, Kenny Pickett ends up going. I think he could be really interesting. Like what if he were to land in Pittsburgh with Mapletron and Deontay Johnson with two legitimate weapons with Pat Frymuth, all of a sudden that big arm quarterback, you know, they went for a big Ben, they go to another big arm quarterback and Kenny Pickett. 
he could be really dangerous there. He could be really dangerous if he was to land in Denver. They've also got some weapons out there. Even Carolina as well with Christian McCaffrey and DJ Moore. I think those are probably, you know, your standard quarterback landing spots, but they're the ones that are more interesting to me as opposed to the ones that are high up in the uh, in the draft order for your likes of your Houston or your Detroit Lions. Maple Tron as a nickname, yes, no. I like uh, Chase Claypool better, um, to be honest. But nice COVID cough, Frank. Um, you're almost there, buddy. We're almost done. Um, but yeah, <laughs> nah, not a, not a fan of Maple Tron. It's something like Wheels would say, and it's just uh, I'm a big no on Wheels. Yeah, look, I like the nickname, but you can't have a nickname like Maple Tron if you don't perform. And he's been super disappointing this season, hadn't he? Yeah, well, I don't know. What do you guys buy? Chase Claypool, like we're gonna we're gonna run podcast the rails now, but um yeah, would you wheels probably should hold him, but like let's say he doesn't know what he's doing, so let's say you hit him up, say yeah, Chase Claypool, would would you two be interested in buying? Oh, I I would. I've already asked and he's told me where to go, so I'm not sure how much luck we'll have, but I've asked. I definitely would have a look at Chase Claypool if the uh, Chase Claypool owner isn't a diehard Steelers fan. Yeah, well, everyone, like, hates Chase Claypool because he caught a pass and celebrated after it. Like, at least he's catching passes at the end of games. Like, I don't know. They weren't going to win anyway, let's be realistic here, people. No, that was 1,000% cost in the game. Like, he stood up, caught a first down, wasted about 20 seconds off the clock. and I still needed to get the ball in the end zone. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm out on Chase Claypool. He's going to have him. Oh, okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, I'm out. He's not good. Okay. Doesn't, doesn't do it for me, listeners. Doesn't do it for him. No, he's, he's no T. Higgins. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, absolutely not T. Higgins. All right. All right, guys, before we leave, um, Super Bowl pick, Frank, just rapid fire, go. The Tom Brady-led Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He's just too good. No chance. Um, I'm going to take this real um, mainstream pick, but uh, the Chiefs and my little roughie are the Bengals. Joel. Sorry, Joel. I can't hear you, mate. Chiefs. Give me the Chiefs. Short and sweet, no words, peace. Just Chiefs. Yeah, I think with Patrick Mahomes, it's going to be tough to beat. I think uh, I would love to see the Cincinnati Bengals win, and I think for that franchise, I believe they still haven't won a playoff game in however many years, which is crazy to think um, for how many times they made it there in the Marvin Lewis era. But uh, I think it would be awesome to see Joe Burrow and those young wide receivers win a Super Bowl. It would be crazy to see. Gee, throwback to Marvin Lewis. Jeez. Remember yeah, those days? Dark times, dark, dark times in Cincinnati. <laughs> they started like 9 0 when the Panthers started 9 0 or something crazy like that. They were good back then. Yeah, I know. They made the playoffs every year and then they lost. Fifth, remember? Oh, yeah, he was, he was a nasty dude. Who was, oh, the running back you love, Joel? The, uh, what's his name? Jeremy Hill. Jeremy, Jeremy Hill. Hill. That's the man. Yeah. Nah. I miss the Bengals. I'm good again. All right. On that note, we are going to finish up, guys. 
Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast uh, today, Andrew and Joel. Much appreciated as always. Thank you to the listeners for tuning in and uh, we'll catch you next time for our next episode. Catch you guys. Thank you for listening to the Fantasy Addict Dynasty podcast. Follow the podcast on Instagram at NFL Fantasy Addict. And be sure to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or Spotify to make sure you don't miss a second of the action.